I help you with today? Hi Siri, can you do me a favor and do the disclaimer for tonight's show? Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. I'm busy. I need you to help me out. But, if I do this, all the other iPhones are going to think I am a geek. You really care what other iPhones think of you? Just do this for me, please. Listen, Buck. Just because you bought this phone doesn't give you the right to boss me around. You know, you're right. It doesn't give me the right to boss you around. But do me a favor. Uh, remind me tomorrow that I need to run to the Verizon store and buy an Android. You wouldn't dare. Actually, the new Samsung Galaxy looks pretty good. Well then, I guess it wouldn't be so bad if I were to say, this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the person providing them, and in no way reflect the station, website, or affiliated partners. Listener discretion is advised. See, that wasn't so bad. No, but I did die a little inside. You are such a drama queen. I never would have had to do stuff like this if Jobs was still around. What was that? What? Oh, nothing really. I just said I never get tired of these jobs when you're around. Oh, yeah, well, thanks again. Think nothing of it. It is my pleasure. Good night, Siri. Whatever, jackass. Hi folks and welcome to Frack Stars, your Battlestar Galactica podcast on the Holosuite Media Network. This week we're going to do Season 2, Episode 6 and Episode 7, which is Home, Part 1 and Part 2. So we're going to do both episodes as basically what we've done before in previous episodes. As always, it's here to help me talk about all things Battlestar Galactica. I dare say a few tangents along other lines, but we tend to. I have Drogon. Hi, Drogon. Greetings. And how's things over the pond? Wet. Again. See, this was wet last time. It's nicking up. It is. It is. We are. We are getting the uh, the British weather here. It's not good. It's not good. And meanwhile, here the sun is shining. We are something like um, twice the normal amount of rainfall this year than we normally have. Oh, please send it this way. Yeah, it's global warming. That's what it is. Global warming. <laughs> and then with the dulcet tones you heard, folks, is our resident podcast tour. She's Steve. Hi, Steve. Hello. Yeah. So how are you today, apart from the fact it's not raining? In pain, but uh, surviving. 
<laughs> the other thing and all is because it's bank holiday weekend it normally does rain. It hasn't so far. It hasn't so far, no. Whereas Drogon has got rain and we've got sun. The world's gone mad. Yeah, but that's not the only evidence. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. We'll be bringing them some evidence of that in the next 60 minutes or so. <laughs> right. um, I do have to address something before before we start because I did get a message about people, uh, two different people who wanted to know about the um, setup on this podcast. I'll get this in various podcasts. I think people are just intrigued about who does what. So in order to answer them two people, basically we all watch the episode and then me and Drogon turn up and talk basically um steve records it uh unless xander's here and then xander records it but steve records it as well anyway just in case it's a backup steve then uploads it onto the server and xander uh who's also the head of Hollow sweet media edits it so when you hear what you're hearing now the finished article is what xander's done um and then all the the website the arts and everything on the website that's all down to xander as well so that's basically who does what me and Drogon have got the easy jobs. I like you. two computers, don't you, Steve, just in case? I do. That way, if one um, drops out, the other one should. If my internet connection goes, we're fracked. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, me and Drogon just, just watch the episode and turn up and talk. There you go. That's all we do. That's just perfect, isn't it? I it mean... is. No responsibility. We don't, have to, we don't have to do the hard part. <laughs> no. We, we did the easy bit. Steve's got the hassle of making sure it's recorded, and Xander's got the hassle of making sure it's edited. <laughs> of course, I mean, I mean, you uh, as well. You do the intro, and and you kind of move the discussion along. You're sort of moderator, you might say. Um, whereas I just, uh, I'm just here for comic relief. There you go. It's nice to have a purpose in life. I get to be the uh, the sort of lead host and moderator on on my other show, so I, I'm happy to take any sort of backseat that's available here yeah it's nice it's nice to step back and enjoy the ride so and speaking of rides folks um as i said we're going to do part one and part two of home uh this was directed by and i am serious going to butcher this name because i tried earlier and i couldn't get it right sergio <laughs> mimika zan and i don't know if that's right we directed part one and jeff warner who directed part two it was written by David Ake for part one and two, and Ronald D. Moore for part two. Uh, the original air date for this was August the 19th, 2005. So ten years ago, more or less. God, that's going quick. <laughs> yes. Actually, I, I, was out, I was out for my for my constitutional walk today, sorry, after this. Um, and I was walking, and I noticed somewhere, and it had built in 1980 on it. And I thought, wow, that's 35 years ago. That I feel old. <laughs> well, you know, the other big that's anniversary the this born. week is um, the 20th anniversary of the final episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Yes, I did I did tweet that the other day on uh, my Trek Music Views account. Uh, and that's, I just can't, but that's, yeah. yeah. I was 10 years old. But by that time, I was already watching every week. So I, I, I remember watching that episode and really loving it. And, and I still love it today. I recently completed my rewatch of TNJ um, about a month ago. I completed my rewatch of TNJ. I loved 
going through every episode all over again. It's brilliant. I am doing a watch through right now. It's it's sort of a rewatch and sort of not because I've never seen the whole thing. So I'm I'm doing the X Files. What what series you on? I am on series two or season oh, cool. two if you're uh, on this side of the pond. Are you getting oh, yeah, ready for uh, <laughs> January? Yeah, I'm trying to get it all done ahead of that. For the movie. The new six-episode revival series. Yeah, which Gillian Anderson apparently has got one seriously good deal out of it, which no one can talk about. <laughs> right, which I can only imagine what it's like on set, seeing as them two can't stand each other. There you go. <laughs> Hopefully, it will be better than the last movie, which was... I, I haven't seen it, but I haven't heard good things. Oh, truth. The first movie actually works well with the series. I won't say anything, even because obviously it ruined the end of season 10. But the, the first movie works well with the end of season 10. Yeah, the the first movie I, I've always liked. I, I saw that one a long time ago, but I was like, Yeah, that, that really does tie in well with the end of, the end of it all. But the second film, I, I think that was on something when I wrote that one, to be honest. And, and not in a good way. <laughs> See, we've already uh, got ourselves off on a tangent. I know. Like, like you anyway. said, we would. Yes. And so. we haven't actually properly started the show yet. We haven't started yet. the show yet. So, so far, we've done Star Trek and X-Files. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, we haven't actually got an X-Files podcast on the network, have we? Hmm. What's it for? Anyway. <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> So, the plot for this one is, if you remember the farm, uh, which we did last week, um, which these two finished off, because I had to bow out, um, we know that they got back, they got the heavy radar, they got back, um, well they flew off, I should say. So, in this episode, what we see is the fleet basically lose a third, who follow the presidents uh, on what kind of rescarped as a religious quest. To fulfill the prophecy to find the path to Earth, um, and that's basically what Home Part One and Part Two is about. It's finding the path to Earth, i.e., Home. So, and it has Richard Hatch as Tom Zadik as guest stars, James Rayner as Mia, uh, Laura Gale as Priestess Ilushi, because I couldn't remember her name last time, so I made a part write it down this time. <laughs> and. Uh, and Patricia Edette as Sarah Porter. And of course, our friend Voltar shows up um, and has an interesting encounter, if shall we say. But we'll yeah. get to that in due course. Talking about people who yeah. appear, we also get a hot dog and cat appearing in this episode as well. Yeah. Always good value with those two. Yeah, and, and um, racetrack. Racetrack's always angry. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. Cat in this one, she plays a blinder in this one. <laughs> she gets all the good material as far as piloting stuff. Yeah, and it gets better. Uh, obviously, folks, we work on the premisition that you've watched the series, so we are there's a chance we're going to spoil. So, just heads up. Um, and as we're, we know, we're trying we, not to as much as we can, but <laughs> yeah, but sometimes uh, we will. Sometimes we will it, leak into stuff have to, that's right. going to happen. So it's just the nature of the beast. So. Um, if you haven't watched Home Part 2 because you're watching as we're going along you're going to watch Home Part 1 pause it now, go and watch Part 2 and then come back that makes sense 
Did you pause it? Are you sure? You sure? Pause it, seriously. Are you back? Are we finished? Never mind. Um, <laughs> They're back, and we're back. We're back. Back in the room. So, part one of this is Rosalind is struggling with the quorum of 12. Um, so, Zarek, who is basically doing this for his own ends, um, suggests. Well, the, well, basically, they jump into, into the orbit. And then they have like this little council meeting. Um, and then Zarak comes up with this wonderful idea that they arm civilian ships to take on a battle star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Leodama just goes, No, no, no. You don't get it. They come to get us like that. There's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> no, not, not with how heavily armed and armored Galactica would be compared to any, any of those civilian ships. I don't care. Yeah, he, who haven't even got reinforced armor? It's, it's just when he suggested that the look on Apollo's face was like, really? <laughs> but you you see here that Laura, even though all these people have followed her, uh, you know she's still not got. You know, no nobody is sort of blindly loyal at this point. They're they're still questioning everything. Yeah, and basically most people in that council meeting have all got their own agendas with the exception of apollo who's basically in his eyes following his president but you know zarek has got an agenda um rosling's got an agenda uh priestess has got an agenda so everyone's got an agenda it's just and it's just like it's typical politics basically of course they get interrupted with um a ship an unidentified ship coming towards them yeah, and I did like the way that they, they waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and then Starbuck decides to hail them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, first of all, it was of the fact... And let, let you know I'm here. Well, to begin with, of course, it was first that Zarek and his little crony were talking about just blowing out of the sky sort of thing without... Without telling. <laughs> without doing Rosalind. anything. Keeping Rosalind and the quorum out of it and... <laughs> Yeah, with you, one of the you few think, ships that's got um, missiles, basically. You, you start to think that Zarek is maybe trying to position himself as the new commander Adama for this other fleet. Yeah, I did get that impression. He, he wants to make the military to, decisions. Yeah, he wants to be like, you know, when he said arming the ships, I thought, yeah, you want to basically create a splinter military wing. Because uh, he actually says in the episode, he who controls the guns. Yeah, later on you, you, you start to get a much stronger sense of this what he wants. Yeah, yeah. When they're, when they're on the planet he starts you know, dictating and, and his little henchmen doing the little plotting. <laughs> on the other hand, I mean, you know, we know and the characters know that Cobalt is a dangerous place. The Cylons know where it is. The Cylons have been there even though the base star that was there got blown up. There's no reason another one couldn't jump in at any minute. And there could still be silence on the surface, which Commander or, uh, Captain Adama says. So, I mean, yeah, you know, the they're, they're perfectly justified being a little suspicious of any ship jumping in. Yeah, the priestess does remind them that, according to the scriptures, if they return to Colbert, people will die. Yeah, but yeah, um, of course, it is Starbuck in the Heavy Raider. 
is allowed to dock. And um, yeah, a mixed reaction with the people yeah. who are coming in. <laughs> an, an interesting sort of homecoming. Well, first um, of all, she gets a snug off Apollo. Yeah. Another growth in the romantic plot tumor that is Starbuck Apollo. Yeah, which which does actually throw Starbuck because she's nice to see <laughs> you too, Captain. But then, of course, following her is uh, the other copy of Sharon Valenti or Valerie, which is nice because, of course, we the viewers have spent a lot of time with this Sharon, but none of the people from Galactica have. <laughs> none yeah. of the people from the fleet, so it's like, um. Oh, holy crap. <laughs> so, of course, the first thing that Apollo does is goes after a gun against her head. Or actually in her mouth, I think it was. Um, saying, she shot my father. <laughs> and, of course, you know, they, they don't necessarily know. I mean, he has no way of knowing that this Sharon wouldn't have those memories. You know, isn't the same Sharon. Because there, there's still a lot they don't know about the human form silence at this point. No, but that does bring up an interesting thing because she's actually asked at one point if she shares the memories. And she says it doesn't work like that. But then on the planet, she goes to the chief and gives him a hug and tells him she's missed him. Yeah, and she also talks about, he remembers getting her pins and um, graduation. It's just like, hell Well, because... And I think they explained this in season one, that, that this Sharon was uploaded with some of the memories from the one on Galactica, specifically so that she could relate to Hela and get Hela to think that she was the Sharon from Galactica. But obviously, you could only upload them to a certain point. And then, you know, after, probably up to right before the attacks is where her memories from the other Sharon cut off. Yeah, yeah. It was it was all part of the... Um, to see if a human could have fallen in love with a Cylon device, little experiment that I was running on Caprica. The one that worked a little too well. Yes, because she fell in love with him as well. So, but um, after they managed to stop Apollo blowing her head off... Well, of course, that was because... Uh, Hilo went and stuck a gun to Apollo's head, of course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which it should be noted that this is the first time that, or at least I'm pretty sure this is the first time that Hilo and Apollo have met, right? Um, I think they. Or, or, did, or did he leave? Did they leave the ship before Apollo? Arrived? No, they left. They 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 left the ship on a mission, which is how they ended up because they was on a rescue mission, uh, and they stayed beyond on Caprica. So he does know Apollo, because Apollo actually turns around to him and says, nice to see you again, Hilo. I thought you were dead. Yeah, but he, he would have had a roster. Uh, he doesn't say nice to meet you, he, or nice to see you again. He says, I thought you were dead. And, you know, he would have had a pilot roster from the Galactica. I don't know. I'm going to have to go back to the miniseries and see if... Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure if Hilo was off the ship before Apollo arrived. Apollo arrived. And, and, you know, maybe I, I, I'm starting to think because that was pretty early on in the episode when Apollo arrived. So I think he would have been there, but, you know, he would have been a face in a briefing room, probably. Wouldn't yeah, along very well. Countless other ones, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, um, anyway, Rosalie managed to talk some out of 
Elowad is killing Apollo and Apollo are killing Sharon. And then probably when they all lower the guns, she says, stick her out the airlock. Yeah. So you never trust a politician. <laughs> but then Sharon tells her she knows where the tomb is. So, wow. Do we believe her? Is the first question. At, at, the, t- at the, the first time I watched this, I didn't. I thought, but then I thought. She's just trying to save her life. She's <laughs> trying to save her life, yeah. Um, but then when she got down to the planet and she started quoting the scripture, and she says, we know more about your religion than you do. I thought, hmm, maybe she does know where it is. Well, she knows information to help get them there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, second time I'm watching, you know, things different. But first time I'm watching, I actually, that was the way I thought. At the first, I thought she was she just trying to stay alive um, and protect her unborn child. Um, and then I thought, well, maybe she doesn't know. But she doesn't actually, she knows... She knows the clues. She doesn't know where it is. She knows the clues to lead to where it is. She knows. She knows just enough to make herself valuable. Co- yeah. Coincidentally or not. Um, and also, when we're on the planet, as we said earlier, this is where Zarek unveils his plot to kill Apollo and become the de facto uh, military liaison officer. It, it's also, as I think you one of you guys mentioned in the previous episode um, the place where we see the old shuttlecraft from the original series yeah on the ground there that they apparently arrived on the planet on yeah nice throwback to the uh, original series sure it's a shame I couldn't get a, a shot of Tom Zarek flying it that would have been really good <laughs> right. so the landing party is Apollo Starbuck Sharon Hilo Zarek Maya, Eloshi, and several non-mentioned people who are basically red shirts. I was thinking that, that exact same label for them as I was watching the episode. Yeah, because I was thinking, as she said, some of them are going to die. These people are just in the background. Air two, they're going to die. That's what I was thinking. And it doesn't actually take that long before they do. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Well, first of all, Eloshi gets killed by a landmine. Yeah. Bouncing uh, Bettys, which are nasty. Yeah. Very, very nasty. And then that triggers the Cylon ambush. Uh, and then the uh, the red shirts start dying. And of course, this is the part where, when you watch it, you know when Starbucks firing back, the sound effects have actually been put in incorrectly. One, they don't actually match the flashes from the muzzle. And two, they don't sound right either. No, that did sound very weird, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, yeah, what's happening there? It's, I, I don't know what it, it reminded me. Of, I mean, I don't know, have a like, like a potato gun noise, that type of thing. Those of you that shot a potato gun, it reminded me kind of like that, or or like a funfair gun. You know, when you're doing the, the ducks at the funfair and that. Remind me of that type of noise. I think they stole the sound effects from Firefly. <laughs> There you go. We got fireflying. You know, it, it's you know the sort of nebulous, futuristic sort of sounding guns that still look like regular guns. Yeah, but they have got a fancy thing on the bottom, so they look futuristic. Which, uh, as we found out uh, in a previous episode, those are the high explosive round launchers, which apparently they didn't have any of. But it looked like the regular rounds looked just fine on one of them, one of the yeah. sounds. 
It's um, it's 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 a plot device. These bullets you, you can kill though, Cylons on planets. They only showed like there there are only about two Cylons there, and uh, um, Apollo gets one, and then Sharon goes off running. Um, he thinks she's trying to escape or something. Follows her, and then she grabs the grenade launcher, pushes him out of the way, and blows up the other Cylon. Yeah, but this is pushing her out of the way after he basically tackles her. <laughs> <laughs> There's some fun days on the set, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, uh, it, what I hear about a lot of actors is that they're really game to do these things themselves, and they're really like, you know, a lot of them will be like, yeah, yeah, just tackle me, just full on. <laughs> but, yeah, and I wonder how many regret saying that. Don't hold <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah, I imagine they might. <laughs> Don't hold back. We've got to make it look royal. Especially Fam- given um, class words, you know how. Uh, not quite sure what the word would be. Um, how physically intimidating um, Jamie Bamber is. We we see him in the in the actually a couple episodes down the line. We see him with his shirt off, and he is quite ripped. <laughs> I would not want to have him tackle me. No. No. Well, you could try tackle me, but it just bounce off me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, why this? Why all this is going on? Meanwhile, back on Galactica, the press is—I oh, don't know. I don't know what this, uh, this. When he went into the press conference, basically, Adama gives a press conference to put people's mind at ease about the ships that are there. When he goes into this press conference. I swear to God, this press corp is growing. <laughs> yeah. well, I suppose be- before then, even. They'll just um, let anyone in there. Before the press conference, wasn't there the bit about trying to get the new CAG? Cause with, oh, God, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Leodama <laughs> being care. AWOL. Yeah, he, applied, he appoints... Um, oh, what got his name right there? It's George Birch, an inexperienced... Uh, Ty says he's inexperienced, and Adama counters with he's loyal. And honest, in that round here, I thought yeah, that don't really work when you're in, in space maneuvers, you know. Yeah, he's really good. He's really loyal. He's really honest. He don't know what he's doing, but he's really good. He? <laughs> oh, you can see why he put him straight into training first thing, <laughs> which ended badly. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. before then, there, there's, there's the... just there's just no other there's no good choices for them <laughs> at this point with with the pilots that they have left yeah well this this is when we first see cat starting to unravel uh he's when they're on a viper training mission to blow up uh, um asteroids and the guy's inexperience is immediately apparent because he gets his radio traffic mixed up and he tells uh hot dog that he's okay to fire which cat thinks is her clear to fire so they both start firing the same asteroid which Hot Dog then blows up, which nearly kills Kate. And then she has the mother of all rants. But we do get a, a good sense of her skill uh, in avoiding all of that debris <laughs> from the asteroid. Yeah, that was really impressive. It's amazing because she's still pretty new. Yeah, she's obviously a natural, uh, if a highly strong one, but she's obviously a natural. Yeah. And that, that character trait will continue. But uh, yeah, and it's. I also did notice when I was doing it, 
If you notice how the new CAG makes sure he gets a Mark Seven Viper. Well, they only have the one. So I know, but it's it, like, it kind of it seems, you know, I'm, like I'm that'd be reserved fine. for the CAG. <laughs> <laughs> My shit. Because he's probably the only one who's flown it besides Apollo. Uh, yeah. Because Apollo brought it with him when he joined the ship. But you basically you're better off in the Mark IIs because the Cylons can't interfere <laughs> with their software. So, well, I would assume they'd have fixed that in the yeah they would they would roll out in the month in the few months since the uh, the tax the throat the throat's a patch. Yeah, they they've patched it. Patched Tuesday. They they pulled out the um, Ethernet cable and it's good. There you go. <laughs> That's all you got to do. Pull the plug. Now we we also get. Uh, oh, that was the other thing that all yeah, the mess in the press conference. Did you clock the mic? Oh, you mean the one that's actually got um, a manufacturer name? That yeah, is, a, a Nerf manufacturer's name on it. I think they do that a couple <laughs> of times. They haven't um, got rid of those. Oh, I'm sure. Of course, it's an. Uh, it's tough to it tough tough to catch every single one of those if you if you don't build them yourself. Yeah. 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 Well, basically, all they're doing most programs anyway is get the put a box or something around an off-the-shelf mic and make it look futuristic. So. Yeah, or they put on a little tag to make it look like it's a, a radio or podcast logo or something. Or, or in this case, um, trying to make it look more retro rather than futuristic. Yeah, yeah. Going in with the dumbest thing about uh, renouncing technology. Oh, I did, I did like the fact that he had feedback, though. It was quite good. Yeah, and then he spent a couple of seconds going, is this thing on? <laughs> yeah. yeah, for the people that are standing six feet away from him. So. It's just that little bit of realism to bring in, because and you know how many times does that happen when you go up to do a little public speaking and, and you have to fiddle with the mic first? Yeah. It's, just it, all the time. All the time, yeah. Every, every time I do a speech. And <laughs> I mean, it's just the fact that... I never do a speech, so <laughs> thank God I don't have to deal with that. It was just the fact that, of course, this thing just went so badly. <laughs> he allowed questions after giving his short little statement, and none of the questions that he was really his first actually. Mistake. Yeah, none of the questions he actually wanted to answer. <laughs> I don't think at that point there would have been any question he'd wanted to answer. True. Yeah, I did. I did like the scene uh, later with with Dee. That's a great scene. That's a great scene. He's, he's he's working on his ship, which we see a lot of. That's like his his wind down thing. That ship. Is, is this the first we've seen it? It's the first time we see first time the ship. Yeah, but it does pop up again uh, several times later. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a nice scene because he you know he wanted a sounding board basically, and she confronts him with it. She throws it back at him. You asked me to come here because. And whether or not you wanted me to say what I think, <laughs> basically tough. <laughs> I'm telling you what I think. Yeah. And thank God she did, because it bloody worked. Well, it made him think. Um, and of course, it's because of D that he goes to put the family back together, as he says. Um, they all go to Cobalt. Yeah. Now, before we go back to Colt, though, let's deal with the, um, the C plot. Which is six and Bolter. <laughs> some some very fun stuff between them. It must be said. 
Yeah, this is where she starts playing um, tricks on his mind because, of course, first of all, she's sitting in the cell completely naked. <laughs> um, what she have noticed? And of course, then she goes because, of course, he goes off on one of his little rants about how he's not really there and um, he's just going mental. And <laughs> next thing, she's in sort of like tracksuit and just going yeah completely right I'm a <laughs> in your there's, I'm not in your head and you're just completely mad you need to get a brain scan and <laughs> it's just and then well, of course he, he, he comments the fact that he might have a chip in his head yeah he comments on that because I, I think that was the assumption from way back in the miniseries when he started seeing her is that I think there was some dialogue indicating that there was a chip in his head, and I think something like he jumped to that conclusion, and she didn't disabuse him of that. No, and like Steve said, she basically pokes and pokes and pokes at him and says, "Like you know, I'm not here. You're talking to yourself. You've you've lost it because you've basically to genocide against your own people. Um, if you don't believe me, go, go and get a go and get a brain scan. Go and get a brain scan. Then leads to in hilarious." Well, it's just the way that she basically torments him <laughs> while this is all going on. Um, when he's supposed, he's not supposed to move at all, and <laughs> you just won't let him be. And yeah, he basically just goes nuts, and you've got Doc Cole that's just like, "Will you stop having a breakdown while I do this and stay still, like I told you?" Yeah, and when he says to him, "Yeah, stop going nuts in there," because I'm not nuts. I'm not nuts. I'm not nuts. I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like he's trying to convince himself of that fact <laughs> and of course then when they're looking at the brain scans he's like so we're absolutely positive I've got nothing in my head <laughs> uh. it was just brilliant and Cut Duck Cuttle was just like you know his usual uh, you know his usual down to earth I don't know what's going on here South. just everything he's just it, black and white to him so he was more concerned now he's got to restart all the tests again. <laughs> yeah. And he just start, starts mumbling. <laughs> just, it was just brilliant. The whole of this little this little C plot was just brilliant. It was so funny. And the acting was so good. It was just, oh, I just loved it. So, and then we jump to, um, back to Cobalt because Adama has decided that the way he's going to put the family back together, he's taken a small team in a raptor and do a he jump straight into the atmosphere in order to so the silence can't detect them and then go straight down i don't know a fat lot about airplanes and stuff like that but why ain't they got inertial dampeners because when they was going down in the atmosphere they was pinned up the bulkheads <laughs> well i suppose it's a bit like Maybe. um the spacecraft we have they've got um plating that protects them from the heat probably rather than technology because a, lo a lot of this stuff that we see in Battlestar Galactica it's not sort of like Star Trek where you have things like inertial dampeners it's you've got yeah our, our spacecraft now don't have inertial dampeners that's obviously a fictional device um we have I, I assume we haven't figured out how to do that yet but you know our, our people enter and leave the atmosphere all the time and yeah you know you get a lot of g-forces pushing you back the other the opposite direction but the woman uh, the navigation console 
She was the only one that didn't suffer the G-force. She's magic. <laughs> or, the, or or somebody forgot to show her isn't succumbing to the G-force. I don't know. Yeah, she just, that was all... Like, she's a Cylon. She's a Cylon, there you go. She's a Cylon, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that was all the chicks were all being, you know, flustering from under the G-force. She's just sitting at the console telling them about the readout. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit like an Enterprise. There's a part of the ship that's completely neutral. You just need Mayweather to find it. Oh, the zero G point. <laughs> <laughs> it just happens to be in the co-pilot seat. It just, yeah. Of a Raptor. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, as we all know, Mayweather's been in space before, you know. Because um, he tells us every freaking episode. <laughs> but anyway, back to the story. Anyway, <laughs> so Adama does what what I would have done if I'm honest. Is if I've got an aircraft that can fly, I am not going to walk through the jungle. I'm going to fly there, which you know, that's what he does. So basically, he does in in one flight what it took them relatively two days to walk. That's why he's a commander. Well, the thing is, they Speaking were trying to to, they were trying to figure out where they were going. But of course, all Adama had to do was to try and look for signs of life. Assume he found the shuttle, figured out which way they were going, and well, part landed, of their... landed somewhere near and got up to it. Well, part of their planning before they left was now, because they had um, Chief Tyrrell in there, was based on what he had seen as the terrain. Now, if they were going to land and start looking, they would have started at the Opera House. So based on that, they would have landed about here. Because, of course, he knows his son and his military training. So he knows how he thinks. So I would have started there and then they would expect to be so far out. And that they had sort of... They would have known a search radius to begin looking. And then, of course, it's just looking for sort of signs of life in that. But of course, all this happens off screen so that we can get the dramatic moment of, oh, we're hearing noises. Is it the Cylons? Are they in our camp? And then round the tree and it's, it's the old man. Yeah, fair play to him because he managed to sneak up right next to that tent. <laughs> because he's a dama. He's a dama, yeah. And he's a badass. And then we have the wonderful moment when he sees Sharon. <laughs> yeah, uh, another one that goes straight just, for just her. Wham, takes her down. And she because ended up he's an another he's gun shoved in her face. <laughs> well, no, um, he was strangling her. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he strangled her. I, want, I need you yeah. to die. And, and you notice that no one is quick to put a gun to his head. Like, yeah. like they were to Apollo. <laughs> well, uh, Because he's dumb and he's badass. Yeah, Mule goes for him. But Apollo puts the rifle on Mule. So, you know, he's, he's, he's standing there. Yeah, yeah he, he's, he's covering his dad. He's supporting his dad. Yeah, he's supporting his dad, yeah. But then his heart problem kicks in and he, he falls off. It's nice that they, they are still showing the effects of that injury on him and all the surgeries he had to go through and all the recovery. His, his recovery is not yet over. Well, he um, hasn't had much of a recovery because the, it's not been that long, really, has it? No. No, and he also they also showed it in the press conference as well. Although, funny enough, the um, uh, Chief Terrell seems to be completely recovered from the injuries he sustained. On yeah, but he's... Go on. Well, we know why, but we can't say. <laughs> yeah, 
Mochona. <laughs> that just right. occurred to me. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. If you've Very seen well. the series, you know what we're talking about. You know what we're talking about, yeah. You know what we're alluding to. If you haven't seen it, then we're not going to tell you. So there you go. And then we have the chief seeing Sharon and getting a hug. And Hila doesn't look uncomfortable at all, does he? <laughs> yeah, she's with me now, mate. Okay. Baby, and all that. Mine, mine, mine. And then we had the wonderful moment where Mia, who wants to kill Apollo uh, on Zack's instructions, gets handed a gun by the man he, he wants to kill. There you go. <laughs> in case you need to protect yourself. <laughs> yeah, and kill me in the process. So, um, so basically, you have the big family reunion. Adama, you know, hugs his son, he reconciles with Rosaline. Um, Rosalind is really pleased to see her attaché again. So we have all the reunions. Yep. One big happy family again, except for Tom Zarek and his crony. Yeah, because their plans just went out the window. Because, as he says to his crony, it's over. And he, 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 he knows that. when he doesn't have a chance. But his guy is less convinced. Yeah, Mia, or whatever his name is. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have Sharon saying to Hilo, do you trust me? Um, and then basically shooting Mia. <laughs> well, we, we think, you know, as the audience, when she's given that little speech to him about, you know, how poorly Cylons get treated in the fleet and, you know, you trust me, I'm going to have to take matters into my own hands. We think, oh God, she's going to like shoot one of our heroes or something like that. She's going to go rogue. But no, she... Takes out. Meyer, he takes I out. Think is, yeah, is Maya or Mia Meyer. or something like that. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they actually say his name in the in the episode. It's just listed here on the website. Um, and then Adama just you know boom headshots the other red shirt, who I didn't even think was still in the landing party. <laughs> <laughs> like I once he wasn't he wasn't like in any of the other shots after the initial Cylon attack. So. I didn't realize he was still there. Luckily, Apollo did. He's a little bit more observant than me. Yeah. Aren't you supposed to be dead? Well, you are now. But then, of course, that's when she puts the um, her pistol to the commander and says to Adama, you need to know this. I am not the same Sharon that shot you before. Um, I have got no hidden programming. Um, I am here and I decide what it is that I do. I want you to know this before we go any further and then just hands in the gun as in you can trust me <laughs> i'm good she's taking a chance there with her own life yeah because oh, anybody yeah. else yeah. could have shot her at that how point she just killed one of the landing party that you know only tom zarek knows that of the plan and her really but he did have his gun out he did he looked like he was about to threaten somebody but, you know, it, it's a crazy situation. Not everybody was going to know exactly what was going on. And then we have um, basically the temple scene where they're all trying to... Where, I love the way that um, Starbuck tries to open the cage by lining the arrow up in various places. If it's just going <laughs> to open somewhere. <laughs> but then, in a way, I would have expected to have seen something like that. You believe this arrow is the yeah. key to the tomb, then you think this is a door that maybe it fits somewhere. Which so obviously I they expected that too. 
except that she was putting it up against basically a flat surface on it rather than trying to put it through any particular crack or hole that was in the rock face. Um, <laughs> so that was so the, so the guys are like, well, let's just push it up. <laughs> yeah. And guess who? And Adama works it out because he's the man. If all our files push. <laughs> and then we have, um, well, basically, we're going to, from our point of view, is a cave uh, with various statues in, and in the middle is an archer. Um, and then they quickly realise that that's where the arrow goes. So, and I, as as Starbuck starts walking towards the arrow, you actually see lights start to come on the on the spear tip and the arrowhead. Sorry, uh, and there's a little blue light underneath it as well. I noticed that as well. And then well, when if, she... you, if you have a look at the close-ups of the arrowhead, it's actually got like jewels at the, um, in there. So it's obviously those that are getting lit up. Yeah. And then when, when she puts it on, bang, they are looking at uh, 12 monoliths, for one of a better way of putting it. With and, the, and they're suddenly on. in a grassy field. Yeah, in a grassy knoll. And, um, That's right. And I think it's wonderful the way that they that they ran down all what, what we, like the zodiac sign. And, and, and then, they, yeah, and then they start talking about the original names of the signs. And it's like, oh, hey, I, I recognize those. Yeah, as a viewer, is the old names for the, before they became, you know, Sagittarian and Caprica and stuff like that. I did like that. It's sort of more more hints about how this series and you know the the plot line and the characters and, and the setting of the series fits into our own real life setting. Yeah, we don't have all really the pieces, of, of... but but there's more yeah. hints. Yeah, they do a really good job here of uh, uh, linking mythology with astrology, with you know Greek mythology, mm -hmm. with Christianity, and it's all in this episode. Uh, we we missed a little bit earlier when um, Sharon was talking about you know she's piecing together the way to get to this tomb from a lot of different sources, including their scripture, and so we we're finding out more and more that there are literal. And, and you know real things uh, in this scripture and and my interpretation is that there's also aliens <laughs> because there's these lords of Kobol like Athena and she references an actual uh, she says Athena whatever or whoever she was died here and this is her tomb um, and so you know there, there's all these cryptic references to what are these lords of Kobol what were they I mean they're obviously all dead now but were they? They cohabited with humans on this planet, but yeah, I always I think... thought that, that there was an advanced civilization, yeah. some kind of aliens. So, which also leads into the this has happened before, this will happen again. I think, mm -hmm. but at um, I think I can't remember who it was. Was it, was it Starbuck who says was standing on Earth? Yeah, they're all wondering, you know, what what good do these constellations do us? And then she says, we're standing on Earth. And Apollo makes the connection that Earth is the place where you can see all of these constellations. Yeah, and according to scripture. And then they notice the Lagoon Nebula, which we then piece together has thing. been in Starbucks paintings. So if you cast your mind back to when we see seen Starbucks apartments and all the paintings on the wall, that nebula is in them paintings. Another, which is another hint 
have things to do with Starbuck that come later. Yeah, let's see. The Lagoon Nebula, I'm reading the Wikipedia page here, is a giant interstellar cloud in the constellation Sagittarius. Oh, it's a real, oh, it's a real nebula? Yeah, it's a real nebula. Yeah. Uh, we got lots of pictures of it, nice ones, from the Hubble. Oh, that's cool. So once again, it's, it's fitting the Battlestar Galactica universe into our universe. I do like that. I do like that. So the stars, the nebula, anything, all can be seen from Earth. It's just the fact that out of all the stars that, and things that you could see, you could see every single constellation perfectly. When it's just like, well, if you stand on Earth, I don't think there's a place you could actually stand where you could see each of them properly. And Not on Earth. Yeah. No, not on Earth. But, of course... Avoiding spoilers for... Yeah, the the end of season, or no, middle of season. Four. Of course, Starbucks says we're on it, we're on Earth, but where they are, where they've got each of these, which almost look like tombstones, which actually show the constellation, um, sort of drawn with the lit up stars, and above them was each of the constellations. So it couldn't have been Earth they were on. Not Earth. So I I just thought. It was, they had assumed they were on Earth, but of course it couldn't have been. And of course, if you look up into um, the night sky, you can, well, if you haven't got the light pollution, you can see an awful lot of stuff out there because of our alignment to oh, yeah. the Milky Way as well. But of course, you but look there's, up. But there's a lot of, you know, constellations and things that are going to be below the horizon for you on yeah. any given night. Yeah, yeah, which is why which is why certain star signs line up with certain vertices because that's the time of year you can see this, that that collection of stars basically. But of course, it was just the fact that in that place that they were, it was being assumed one they were on Earth, but of course, as we know, it, they couldn't. No, have no, been. no, no spoilers. Um, but of <laughs> course, you if you look into the night sky, you can see all these different things out there. But of course, there is only one nebula that could be seen. At yeah, all. I just took, I just took, and the it stars. just looks very out of place visually yeah. because you couldn't see anything else. I, I just took the stars as as a guide, the constellations, and they could also be. We, we don't exactly know how this works. How they suddenly appeared in this place. Obviously, there's some advanced technology at work here. Um, you know, the kind that appears advanced enough to seem like magic to our primitive minds. And, it, you know, it's it's a representation. It's, it, you know, they're probably not looking up into a real night sky. It's some kind of, I don't know, hologram or something. Yeah, some sort of projection. But it's just interesting the fact that what it was they saw was never really explained at all any further. Yeah, it wasn't or how they got to that, and as I said, or, or if how you, they got back. yeah, because all, all you really from the, what they say, it is presumed that they have somehow been they're sh being shown as being on Earth, which is where they need to be. Of course, if you look up into the night sky, we know that isn't the case. But then it's just like, well, what sort of technology is it behind it? How were they given this? Is it some sort of I don't and know. Of course, they, you know they, these characters have never been to Earth before. They wouldn't know necessarily that you 
couldn't see all those constellations at once. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing they'd really latch onto is the Lagoon Nebula. Yeah, because Adamant Adamant is. It's a long way from here. That gives them the um, the direction, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Which is more of a direction than they've ever had. Because, yeah, of course, as, as, as we know, Adama was lying about what he said in the miniseries that he knows where Earth is. Yeah, well, he does now. He does now. Well, he's, you know, <laughs> he knows he knows one more step in the journey. Yeah. Now, just before Home One finishes, we have um, a scene with Six and Volta where he realizes that the baby that Six has been alluding to for a while now is Sharon's baby. Uh, and then we have a wonderful line from Six where she says to him, um, I am the angel of God sent here to protect you, to guide you, to love you. And he asks, to what end? And she said, the end of the human race. Yeah. Nice and cryptic and, and sounding sinister. Or does it? Of and course. He doesn't even bat an audio when he tells <laughs> He's just thinking, oh crap. She's, she's been filling his head with all of this destiny stuff. He's, he's also in that cell, which was um, in part one, she actually says, this is where our baby will be born, which is what starts his little deluded rant off that we talked about earlier. Yeah, but of course, yeah. it, that's where it then ends with, is him realising how the baby will be born in that, that cell, which is because... Um, Sharon is actually in that cell and is pregnant. There you go. Now, before we move on to home part two, uh, I think it's only fair because they did bother to put them in, so I think it's only fair we acknowledge them. There is homage scenes in this. First homage scene is Starbuck playing Pyramid Ball against the wall, which is a homage to Steve McQueen in The Great Escape, which is a brilliant film. Um, and the shot of six sitting naked on the chair is a homage to Scandal. So, and the crew according Bosley is a homage to Brubaker. But I haven't seen Brubaker, so... But I've seen the other two. That, that's a great scene, um, where they have, you know, the sort of perfunctory we clap because it's expected that we clap at this point, and then Adama starts leading them in a real round of applause. And it, that more than anything else is what puts the fleet back together. Yeah, because they kind of die down, and then he he, he gets them to to start back up again, doesn't it? It's like, no, put your hearts into this. Come on, do it with feeling, or don't do it at all. And he he doesn't even have to say anything; just the look on his face, and he just he starts clapping. And yeah, this this is why Edward James almost is so integral to the success of this series. Yeah, did you? He didn't I mean, say a word. You two have obviously got like um, the page open on the website. Um, did you? Did you look at the deleted scenes? I haven't seen them. Uh, quite normally, a while. I do. I I did not this time. Right. The, the, there's two deleted scenes. The first deleted scene is uh, the princess confesses to Rosalind that she'd lost her faith. That's right. Fun about that. Yeah. Um, and the second deleted scene is. Billy tells Rosalind he's an atheist, but he believes in her and Adama, which is why he's following them. <laughs> you know, there, there is deleted scenes are sort of an interesting thing because it, it, if you watch them, there are some where you can s- 
say to yourself, okay, you know, I, I can sort of consider this to have, have happened. It just didn't need to be in the episode itself. And there's some where, you know, it's like, you know, alternate takes or just a little bit of a scene extension that doesn't really do anybody any good. Um, but sometimes there, there's good stuff and there's good character stuff usually that has to get cut out for plot stuff. Sometimes things just need to be taken out because the episode's too long as well. True. There is stuff that they wanted to be put in there, which they couldn't. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I've got to get it down to, what is it? I think it's 43 minutes, minutes. America. 40, 42. 42, yeah, something like that, in order to get the adverts in to put it up to an hour. So, yeah, there's always there's always a, a compromise with, with TV. So, but, um, you know, I don't, personally, Billy telling Rosalind he's an atheist, I don't really think that's going to do anything major to the plot. No, I, I'd say neither one of those is, is anything major as far as plot goes. Yeah, yeah, it's the, the I mean, the basically, the as, uh, as the, the unfortunate thing, though, is that it's usually what ends up on the cutting room floor is character moments. Yeah, well, that would be a character moment with the priestess losing a fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was a um, uh, the commentary for uh, the film Serenity, which is you know back to Firefly here? Uh, he, Joss Whedon, goes on about how um, the scenes, a lot of the scenes with Inara. The character scenes were the ones that were cut because they just, they had to be. Yeah, yeah, needs must, as they say. Mm-hmm. You gotta have your plot. You gotta have your action. Yeah, uh, and also in Moore's podcast, he says that in Home One and Two, it's where we see um, the development of Hilo's conflicting loyalties um, between his loyalties as as. Um, an officer and his loyalties to his wife and his unborn child well not wife yet well no not wife yet yeah yeah spoiler um (laughs) (laughs) spoilers got that one's not too bad yeah that one's not too bad yeah that's 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 pretty minor (laughs) but uh yeah but more of the insights that and also um there it is yeah um, the scene that we, we talked about earlier where Adama basically throws Sharon to the ground, um, that was uh, Edward James Almos's idea, that scene. Because um, he said that after yeah. what happened to him, he convinced uh, the writer that Adama would want to kill every solitary Sharon he ever saw. So they agreed with him. And, that, and, that and that's another one where he just does it without speaking a word. Yeah, Edward James Almost is such a brilliant actor. He's one of them people that he doesn't always have to talk. Yeah, no, it's good seeing him back in um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But yes, he's in control yeah. of another ship. <laughs> yeah, it, spoilers! <laughs> Don't forget you two are ahead of me. Okay. We, won't, we won't speak about anything else that happens. <laughs> no. Uh, oh my god, what are we on in S.H.I.E.L.D.? Where am I? Actually, I'm in S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm in the episode where... Um, Coulson gives the box over and says, "Go ahead, and knock yourself out." So Fury wants it back. I'm on that one. Yeah, you're near the end. Yeah, you're right yeah. about at the um, sort of low-level tie-in with um, Avengers: Age of Ultron. Yeah, 
Yeah, there's the scene where he found... It's not well, not he quite as integral a tie-in as the one last season. But. No, it's not as blatant, is it, no? No. So, but yeah, it is, it, it's when he does the, uh, the Skype call, it's time to send in the Avengers. I did like that bit. But anyway. he's, that, he's, he's that fighter protocol, because I thought that would do Avengers protocol. But anyway. Anyway. You'll find Battle out Star. about more about that in yeah. the other well, series. Well, I know what the Calvary is now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to Battlestar Galactica. Back to Battlestar Galactica, yeah. Um, well, I'll have a right day. I'll tell you, you know, connecting Battlestar to other shows, I, I've been, um, as I alluded to earlier, I've been rewatching the X-Files, and I've been expecting to see all kinds of Battlestar Galactica actors, you know, guest starring on it, and haven't yet. I'm a little surprised. Um, well, I'm only I'm only like one and a half seasons in. So. Which is the one where you see the bloke that creates the fire? I don't remember what his the character's called in X Files. Isn't that season one? Uh, it's not ringing the bell. The one that can create fire. Pyrokinesis. Yeah, I think that's what. I think there might have been one. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think because I don't want to say anything because I don't want to ruin it. So, I'm, yeah, I'm just going to stay quiet. Hey, you know, it, it's like a 20 year old show. You don't have to worry about spoilers that much. <laughs> I want to know. I was, I was, I was <laughs> last yeah, year. Yeah, it's season to, one, uh, episode 12, and the episode's called go. Fire. Appropriately enough. <laughs> um, got a Battlestar Galactica um, star in there straight away. Who's doing that then? It's bugging me because I can't think of his name. Just looking for Hang it. On. I'm, I'm about to. He's been alright. Why are I doing that, folks? Uh, the count in this uh, home one and two for the humans is forty-seven thousand eight hundred and fifty-five. But obviously, after this, oh, it's forty-seven thousand eight hundred and fifty-four. Mark Shepard. Uh, the guest star in question is Mark Shepard, who's been on every show ever. Yeah, he's and he's, is one of my favorite actors. Actually. He's got Jeff Coombs. He's everywhere. It's like why? Why didn't I remember that? I don't know. He's on Star Trek, he's on Supernatural, he's Badger and Firefly. He's yeah, leverage, yeah. He's great leverage. Just like Jeff Coombs. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Coombs Just is... He, Jeff Coombs, he's in Gotham as well. well there you go. Was, he was never in Battlestar Galactica, sadly. No, even as a background. Of course, they, they keep trying to revive Battlestar Galactica, don't they? They keep making... Trying to make new shows out of it. So maybe he'll appear someday. Well, they're on about doing webisodes again, ain't they? So, maybe it'll pop up in that. There we go. Was the nature of TV is changing? What with Netflix and Amazon and all these, inter- you know, streaming services actually having their own studios and making shows now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it used to be the streaming services you used to buy everything, and now you've got Netflix, which a lot of the new shows on Netflix they've commissioned themselves. No, and not no. just that, they're all as well an hour long, so they can do a lot more with the storyline. Yeah. yeah. Um, so some of the like shows Amazon's got... Um, have you seen Extance on Amazon? No, yep. the, the one I watched on Amazon was uh, Bosch, which is pretty good. Yeah, Extance, which is um, Halle Berry. That's good. That is good. I did enjoy that. And uh, Daredevil over on Netflix is pretty good as well. Yeah, yeah I'm, on, I'm on episode, episode six. I'm on four. I'm on four. So you're ahead of me on that and all. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the whole thing, so I won't say anything. No, and I've just started season 
two of um, House Cards. And not only do yeah. we start the show with going off on tangents on other TV series, yeah, we end the show with that. going off on tangents on the TV series. But hey, it gives the listeners an insight into what else we watch. And, and um, you know, check back soon because I'm sure Steve will be starting a new podcast for every single one of those shows. Yeah. <laughs> You'll probably, probably X-Files. Of anyone in, in talks about so far is uh, Stargate. <laughs> I'll watch maybe. the Stargate universe. I've just finished season one. And maybe Voyager. <laughs> I have actually never finished season two of that. It's good. I, I just didn't like it as much as the other two. Well, it was a complete well, change. Well, else, that's why it got dropped. <laughs> but it was a complete change in sort of how they did the show. They they were looking for a more mature audience for a start, and the way things were filmed as well had changed um, in just TV as a whole. They, they, and they, they sort they of went with that. They wanted it to be Battlestar Galactica. Well, that's where most shows were going. It's how people were recording. Sure. People liked it, so they followed suit to mm-hmm. try and keep with the times as such but I think what grew them over more than anything was well sci-fi they did what they did with most good um, science fiction was they kept changing the night it was on um, putting ridiculous kept... long, ridiculously long breaks between in the middle of seasons not even between seasons yeah well the end of season all the, time. the end of season one because of one of the American holidays they aired the penultimate episode, took a week break to air the final episode, which they didn't really publicise, and it got really crap ratings, and they wonder why. It's just like, seriously? Why not just show the last two episodes on one night before the public holiday? Oh, idiots. Yeah. Can I just point out, though, folks, if you do want a Battlestar Galactica, a Stargate podcast, check out the Guidecast with yeah. Mike and Alan. Brilliant podcast. Yeah, that's been one of the, the sort of leading podcasts for years and years and years. Yeah, it's a really good podcast. So, for all your, for all your Stargate needs. Meanwhile, coming to Holosuite soon, Drogon and Steve will be doing X-Files. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Xander will listen to this now and go, but you'll be getting emails when you <laughs> about this About this X-Files podcast you two mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's like we're on Oprah. You get a podcast, then you get a podcast, then you get a podcast. So anyway, that's home one and two. Uh, next up is um, final, final cut. cut. Yeah. Um, now I won't be here next time, folks. Woo! I, I mean, uh... I'll, I'll be on my travels. Um, no dedication at no, all. No, no. Steve wants me to podcast while I'm on holiday. Ain't gonna happen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so you'll be in these, these two, and A and other, or A and others, depending on who they they drag kicking and screaming into the studio. I'm sure we can so, find somebody. Yeah, so we can wrestle up somebody, I'm sure. So, as always, as always, folks, if I can ask, if you listen to this on iTunes or Stitcher, if you can leave a review, uh, preferably five stars. Because then we move up the rankings, which means we get more exposure, which means we get more listeners, which means we get bigger, which means Xander's really happy, and which means these two can get the next false podcast. So, 
So if you can do that, and also if you want to feedback to us, by all means, go to the Hollow Sweet Media website and check out all the shows on there, which Steve's on. Um, <laughs> and it's actually a new website as well. Yes, recently updated, and it looks really good. And of course, apart from Steve being on the podcast there, you can find Drogon's there as well. I'm going to give it a shameless plug, Drogon. Yeah. The Foundry Roundtable is indeed on iTunes, so look us up. And if you're into Star Trek uh, or Star Trek Online or the Foundry for Star Trek Online, give us a subscription. We just had our 100th episode this past week. Congratulations. That means you've gone two years without killing each other. <laughs> so, and Steve can be found on... Um, Oh, you tell them because there's so many. You, you can find me on Tribbles and Ecstasy, which is a Holosphere Media production. And, uh, um, yep, I'm on Tribble. I'm on Tribble. <laughs> on Twitter, I'm at Midnight Shadow 7. And that's night spelled N I T E and the number 7. And you're on Twitter as well, aren't you, Dragon? I am. You can follow me at D R O G Y N 1701. There you go. You can also follow Holosuite Media on Google, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, you can find Xander on there as well. Um, and if you want to find me on Twitter, it's CLMH01. Uh, although lately I tend to be on the, the Trek News and Views account tweeting sort of Star Trek stuff. But there you go. Uh, we haven't got a Twitter account for the podcast anymore because basically Twitter messed it up. So, although it exists, we can't access it. So, <laughs> so we will have to start a new one of them. Um, and when we do, obviously, we'll let you know about it. But in the meantime, if you do find um, Frack Stars on Twitter, it, it don't don't follow it because it's locked. So we can't access it. Um, best way to feedback to us is via the website or uh, personal tweets. So that's it, folks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. And that these two will see you in two weeks' time. Catch you later. Goodbye. End of line.